This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and it is, at time of recording, December 13, which means all of us have roughly two weeks to do everything that it, we wanted to do in 2022. Otherwise, uh, it is good night to 2022, and you can never do those things again. So to talk about some of those things and maybe possibly some things we should be thinking about doing next year early, not leaving it to the end, is Rachel Sass. Rachel, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you. It's it's panic mode at this point. We got two weeks to do a lot of stuff. That's right. You and like better you said, get your acting I, gear. Yeah, everyone left it to the last two weeks of the year, as, as we always do. So it's... Uh, crunch mode now i'm fond i'm fond of this time of year you know just add a year for for minus a year for uh past or future years of saying to clients when they suggest certain things to me that's a 2023 issue yeah yeah that's not a 2022 issue yeah <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do that next year yeah do, do, the, do the tax laws change at the end of this year no nope, no nope, we're good okay nope. that's that's a january <laughs> problem Mm-hmm. It sure is. It sure is. But there are, of course, things that can still be done by the end of the year um, that need to be done. I'm sure, I mean, I think a lot of people are in the midst of doing them, you know, probably some of it is being prompted by open enrollment periods with insurance, which means you've got to re-sign up for the various benefits that you want through your employer uh, if you have those. And so you're thinking about those sorts of things. But the other thing that um, people have to be mindful of as well are making, if they're going to, their final 2022 contributions to uh, uh, plans like 401ks that that operate on a, a calendar year. So, you know, people who haven't done that yet, they need to get on it and do it. If they're not going to do that or they miss the window, then they have a little bit of uh, a grace period, so to speak, because you can contribute to an IRA up until the point that you're required to file your federal tax return, uh, which is generally April 15th. And so people who say, forget to make a 401k contribution or they don't want to make a 401k contribution uh, at the end of uh, this year, they could they could still make a contribution to an IRA be, and have it treated as having had been made, uh, if that grammar makes sense, in 2022, if they make that IRA contribution before the April 15 deadline. So there's a there's a there's a deadline and then there's a second deadline that also might be the back door to the first deadline. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's I feel like the 401k contributions, you know, like you said, it gets the first deadline. It gets a little bit missed uh, a lot of times. But, you know, hopefully you are just contributing at a regular basis throughout mm -hmm. the year. If not, like you said, let's try and do that. That last little bit of a contribution before end of year. And if not, you've got your IRAs. You can try and get it in before the the tax year is over. That's so. right. Absolutely, absolutely can. Of course, also if you're going to make contributions to uh, to a charity, mm -hmm. 
you need to do that before the end of the year if you're an individual, uh, because otherwise it won't count for 2022. Should you have been uh, relying on that contribution to take a deduction on your federal income tax return or your state income tax return, typically those those contributions need to be made by the end of the year. And so you have to be thinking about that. If you're going to be doing, let's say somebody's going to be doing sort of like charitable contributions, but of a little more complex nature. Okay. We've talked about charitable remainder trusts and charitable lead trusts and things of, you know, things of that nature, so-called split interest trusts. It's cutting it really thin um, to try to do it now because you've got to form the trust, which usually takes some professional to do it. And then you have to open up bank accounts and you've got to make contributions into the new trust bank accounts. And so you've got to have the bandwidth at the bank or the financial institution to open up accounts for you to get money moved over, et cetera. And if you're making contributions in kind, like your your uh, your Apple stock or whatever, you know, you got to have enough time for those transactions to happen and they don't just happen overnight. So really for anybody trying to do those sorts of transactions, unless it is purely cash, I don't know. I mean, if somebody told me about it like cold today, I think I'd be inclined to say no. Yeah, it, it, it would it would just cut it too close, I think, to the deadline. There's so many unknown factors, like you were saying, with just the banks processing certain transactions that it's you, you and you can't control those. You really can't control it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what makes it hard. Right. At the end of the day, we can burn the midnight oil, work till 2 a.m., get a trust done. But it's all the unknown factors. You can't control third parties. It's it it might you might be able to get it done, but it might be a tad too late, and then you'd be upset come be. January one. And I don't know what the IRS is going to do this year, but the last couple of years they've had this habit you might remember where they shut down the system for maintenance that yeah. issues employer identification numbers, which is what you need to open up accounts, and they did it like the last week of the year. Now I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mind you, they had all year to do this maintenance, <laughs> but they decided to they decided to do it at the you know the last week of the year. That that in and of itself can mm-hmm. can be enough to to throw a wrench in some of these year end plans that wait until December thirteenth to really get going. So yeah, I think if somebody came to me today and they wanted to do some sort of more complex charitable giving at this point, unless everything was really, really clean. Yeah, I think I'd say no. I think I'd I'd, I'd say just do it next year. Take your deduction next year because it's going to be such a nail biter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say the same. And you know, I like my fingernails. (laughs) And you like the holidays. We like to enjoy our families during the holiday. Right. (laughs) And not be a nervous wreck on whether this thing is going to get done or not. You know, that's an excellent point, Rachel. (laughs) Families sometimes get in the way as well. (laughs) <laughs> they want to see you. Yeah, you know, you actually got to get together, big meal, all that good stuff. That's just yeah, it's terrible, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> they think you should work and spend time with them. Hmm. What a concept. What, what a concept. concept. Who'd have thought? Um, what about... Uh, what about estate planning stuff? Do you think this is the time of year where there's still time to do it? 
And if so, what would you be doing? I think so. Yeah, I think it's really just reviewing your estate plan. I, I think depending on what the changes need to be, um, they don't have to be done exactly by December 31st, but it's looking at your documents, updating things if they need to be updated. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't need to be done by December 31st, make that New Year's resolution. That That's the first thing you're going to check off your list of the new year. Um, but it's really looking at your documents and seeing, is everything current? Have I funded everything? So say earlier this year, you planned ahead. You met with us back in July and we got your your estate plan together. But maybe then you didn't do step two and actually fund your trust. Looking at that, did you put your bank accounts into your trust? All your major assets, are those into your trust? And so those can definitely be a big thing depending on your your holiday plans, your New Year's plans, if they could get a little crazy, we want to make sure your estate plan is going to work the way it's supposed to work. And so really mm-hmm. just checking it to make sure it's going to act the way we want it to. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think it's uh, even if it doesn't happen at the end of the year, because it's not, you know, it's not so much driven by end of year deadlines. It's not like a tax deadline necessarily, but it is a handy time to have a little bit of a place marker. Ten, things tend to sort of kind of slow down because of the holidays. I say with a little bit of hesitancy, of course, but um, if if nothing else, to shake off the leaves of the documents and look at the lists of people, you know, who is in charge of things and just look at that list and then think about the people you're about to see over the holidays and whether they're still the right people on the list. So, <laughs> or maybe you wait until after the holidays, Afterwards, you look at the say. list, you see how they behave at the family gathering and then you make your final decision. Yes. <laughs> but it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's a handy time of year to, to reassess, you know, to just have a little, little think about Mm -hmm. decisions you made during the year, which obviously were great decisions at the time, but maybe now in the light of day are not as smart as you thought they were. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Things change. Things change. Things do. Things do change. Obviously there, sometimes people have, like people do have firm end of year deadlines. So if, you know, if you're that person, you've got a closing date end of year you know, you need to focus your attention on on those sorts of priorities because it can be I mean, there there can be tax consequences to when you close. So sometimes you just absolutely you need to get something closed this year. And one one sort of tricky thing, I guess, uh, as far as transactions that really need to close by the end of the year, especially is when you are holding on to gains that are going to be offset by losses in the transaction or the reverse. You created losses during the year and you're going to generate gains by closing the transaction. So obviously that stuff has to happen by the end of the year, because if you're a a normal human and you're a calendar, you're a taxpayer, if the gains and the losses are in different years, it doesn't help you out so much. Um, and, And then you can be a bit strategic. So if during the year, for example, you were harvesting losses, this is something that a lot of our financial advisor friends like to talk about harvest losses. So the market goes down, they sell off all your Coca-Cola stock. So now you've got capital losses. So then you start looking at your portfolio here in the, in the last, say, two weeks of trading, and you start trying to find some offsetting gains that you might generate, and then you can offset those with the losses. So it's basically a tax nothing if you're looking to rebalance your portfolio anyways and start doing those sorts of things strategically. So there is some like end of year closing deadlines that can be very sensitive to tax and like you really have to focus in like get it done because those are things where if it doesn't happen by the end of the year whatever the tax consequence is it's not going to be reported this year it's going to be next year and that 
may or may not be good. You might want to push the taxes into next year, maybe, possibly, I don't know. But it could be if you're sitting on gains or losses that need to be offset that you have no choice. You've got to get it done this year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's now's the time, I think, to, like you said, call call your advisors, check in, Mm -hmm. see where where you need to be so you can kind of plan it out so that come December 31st, you've you've made the choices you need to make. The other thing, and talking about deadlines and really hard deadlines, if you haven't taken your required minimum distribution this year, that is a hard December 31st deadline. And the penalty, if you do not take your required minimum distribution from an IRA is it's a 50% penalty. It is yeah. bad. Yeah. So you always want to make sure that is something that you get done. A lot of times people do it throughout the year. So that's great. A lot of times we've seen clients who do wait till December. And so make sure before the holidays, again, because you are relying on bank transactions to be processed. So make the calls and make sure you get your required minimum distributions made. Yeah, no, that's a really good one, which we forgot to mention earlier, but the, absolutely. And that can that's a really bad little landmine to stand on. There's a there's a, a weird nuance too where if the account holder died this year, even if they died in January, they were still required to withdraw a required minimum distribution as if they were still alive for the entire year by December. So you also don't want to get stuck uh, where mom or dad or somebody else passed away and they hadn't taken their required distribution and it still needs to be taken by December and then you forget and then you can get hit with this this ridiculous penalty. So yeah, it can be it can be a, a shifty one. It can be tricky. Hard to spot sometimes. Um there's a I have a little pet peeve. Is that okay? Can I share that? Yeah, what is it? All right. All right. So here's my here's my pet peeve. And it's not like I'm against getting stuff done by the end of the year, you know, having goals, etc. But <laughs> Really, there's a lot of stuff you should be doing throughout the year, not just in December. Mm -hmm. I know December feels like a very convenient time to get rushing about on things, but it's not the ideal time. Usually these are things that you need to be doing all year round. You might be thinking about it in December, but you'd be way better served thinking about it throughout the year. And actually, you brought something up that I think is a good one, which is you were talking about estate planning and sort of, you know, if you're not going to make the changes this year, then plan on making the changes next year. And I would say even on top of that, not just plan it, literally schedule it now. Mm -hmm. Do it now. Schedule it now before you're busy and your schedule gets cluttered up with all sorts of other things and just stick it in the calendar. Make sure it is scheduled and and you're going to hold yourself accountable because it's on it's on your radar. It's not just a wish. Now you've actually done something concrete. But OK, so here's a couple of things aside from doing that, which obviously is great advice because that's my advice, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Rachel, nobody can see, nobody can see on the podcast that Rachel's not amused. So, so um, one of the things that I, I always think about towards the end of the year when people are rushing about are things like um, family businesses that are, are trying to transition and how that, I actually think that process is not an end of year process or that discussion is not really a, an end of year discussion. It might be convenient because people are together, but that's that's a, more a coincidence than a necessity. I think it's more a discussion that should happen periodically and in an organized way throughout the year. Um, and then all the key stakeholders you can bring in on these discussions and you can start you if you start early enough and you do it consistently enough throughout the year, you can make plans on how you're going to do it and you can implement those plans and you can follow up on the implementation. But you don't have to wait till December to try to rush everything into the end of the year. You just do it throughout the year. That would be my one my one little pet peeve about December being 
the time to get things done. A lot of complex things. You really need to be working on it all year long. Absolutely. Because more likely than not, the transaction is going to be a lot more complicated than Mm -hmm. you're originally thinking, right? It really does have to be thought through when you're looking at a family business and are we taking it to the next generation? Are we selling parts of it? Are we putting parts of it in trust for future generations? Like, what are we doing with it? It really has to be thought through. Mm -hmm. And each little piece takes time. And like I said, if we're talking to other family members, if we are getting the younger generations involved, it's it's a lot of discussions. It's very important stuff um, for family-held businesses. These you know, these businesses are your babies. You want to make sure your business is going on the way that you want it to. And so it's um, it's something that does require several conversations and just a lot of thought that goes into it. So don't mm-hmm. it, it should not be rushed as definitely a should not be rushed thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And even if I, mean, I think we're we're thinking about it in like a, a large business or a, a family business, it's something that's like that's the thing for the family. But I think every every family in some way really is its own little business. You have expenses, you have income, you've got to manage both. It is basically a business. So it applies very, I think that principle applies very broadly. You should be forcing yourself to have an idea of where things are headed, what what sorts of targets you want to hit, and then make yourself look at it through the year, hold yourself accountable, um, you know, assign tasks, follow up, make sure it happens. Do that throughout the year. Don't wait till December. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was a, side, a little side tangent here. I was talking mm-hmm. to my mother-in-law earlier today, and we were talking about how during the holidays, you don't want to have uncomfortable conversations with people because it's the holidays. You just want to be happy and cheery because we're, yay, we're celebrating all together. So if you're having these serious conversations with family members, like you said, yes, it's a convenient time. Everyone's together. But the conversations are better had over the course of the year because in case you have that same sentiment where I don't want to bring up anything uncomfortable during the holidays, don't worry, you don't have to do it during the holidays. You could do it. Let's do it in April. Let's just throw it in near the taxes. You know, everyone's uncomfortable then. So just have that conversation then. Or May. What happens in May anyways? (laughs) It's a throwaway month. Oh, it's like a it's like a free month. Birthday month, Brent. That's Mother's Day, Brent. Okay, all right. Come on. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm chastised appropriately. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so what about um, what about family meetings? What do you think about? I, yeah, I think we're sort of dancing around it, but, um, you know, say mom or dad or, or older generation having more formal conversations about the family finances or sort of the family business with the younger generation. An absolute must. Like, I cannot stress this enough. I seriously, the the year you and I have had, we cannot stress this enough. Um, it's this, you know, a, a lot of clients have this and, and it makes sense, right? When you think about, you know, having this generational wealth and passing it on to the next generation. And for some families, discussing money is an uncomfortable topic. And so some families may want to keep it a little bit more secretive. They don't want to have the conversations. Maybe they just want to wait until they're until they've passed away. And I would highly advise against that. You know, when you have generational wealth, you want to teach the younger generations how to keep that wealth going. Like you said, a family is a business. How do we keep the family values going? How do we just keep this going? So it's going to contribute to way more future generations than you could ever imagine. It doesn't have to stop at just the children's level. It can go to great grandchildren. 
Um, and to really to, to create that, you have to have these conversations. You have to involve children. You really need to get them um, understanding the value of money, how the investment works, why the parents set things up the way that they did, um, how to preserve it, how to protect it. Um, it's a scary world out there with a lot of creditors, um, being creditor being an ex-spouse as well. And so really having these conversations, with how do we protect the family money and preserve it for future generations? It's an invaluable conversation. I can't stress how many of these conversations parents should be having with their children. Yeah. I agree. I think it's a it's a it's a good conversation. Obviously, it does depend on the circumstances. Everybody knows of or maybe has a family member who if they knew there were there there was a dime laying around, that person would get their hands on it somehow and and spend it unwisely. Setting all that aside, uh, in normal circumstances, that's not really an issue. And you can have these sorts of conversations. You can, like you're saying, you can sort of pass on the family values about about the money and how to use it, how to preserve it and how to grow it, because it can definitely be grown together in a very, very, very smart and powerful way. And it can be used to serve many purposes and it can be used to support many different uh, agendas and left, right, or center. And so you can't really do that effectively without having a conversation, a sort of consistent conversation. So everybody understands like, all right, this is the thing. This is like the family, like we've been talking about, like the family is basically a business. The money is a business. How do we nurture this thing that is so hard to come by to begin with um, and make it really last? and make it really benefit multiple generations of people. I think it starts with concerted, uh, organized conversations. Yeah, and I think, you know, in terms of what we can look forward to for next year as you're planning all year long, mm -hmm. is it, this doesn't also have to be an all or nothing, right? You don't have to think about, I have to give everything to my children. You can test the waters. And that's one thing we really love talking to our clients about is, you know, you can set up a trust, have that child, let's say, be the trustee of their own trust, fund it with, you know, however much you want to fund it with. doesn't have to be the whole amount. See how they do with it. Mm -hmm. Are they going to go buy the dang Ferrari or are they going to actually invest the money, put it towards something a little bit more useful for the rest of their lives? You can test the waters. And so it's, you know, that's maybe something that you can start thinking about in the new years is as you're having these conversations with family members, you may be unsure. You could start testing it with them by creating some different family structures. Yeah, absolutely. I um I think that's a great way to do it, especially for clients who express some concern about what the kids might do with the money or if they knew about the money, what they might do. I, I oftentimes will tell them that. I'll say, great, start small. Let's just, just see what happens. And You'll know more once once you see that. Or another really great thing you can do. Uh, I know a lot of you know if you if you get on the interwebs or social media, there'll be a lot about like oh you hire your kids and then they can contribute to an IRA. I'm like all right, look great. Your kids don't have to work for you. First of all, in order to make that work, they don't have to work for you. So let's just say your kids have a job. They have a job, which is great. They have a job. You're happy, but maybe they're not bringing enough money to to fund uh, an IRA, for example, or a Roth IRA. So you could just gift them the money 
and then they can contribute dollars into a Roth IRA because the government doesn't care necessarily where that money came from as long as there was earned income to qualify to make a contribution to the Roth IRA. It's not like they track dollar for dollar, like this dollar came from the employer versus this one was a gift. So you could just help kids fund IRA accounts. Uh, and, you know, those aren't enormous contributions in the grand scheme of things and see how it goes. Give them a small account. Got a little bit of stewardship over it. See how it goes. So I think a lot of little things like that can be done that will help bring people along. It sort of it sort of breaks the tension about the topic because finances can be uncomfortable. And I was going to say that oftentimes when we're thinking about like certainly end of year stuff, it feels big, you know, do all these big things by the end of the year. But then you're trying to do things during the year like these. You got these big goals. It's good to have big goals. It's even better to just do something. And so and to not be paralyzed by the magnitude of, you know, the scale of the thing that you've chosen to do. Just do something. Do the small thing and test it and then do the next small thing and the next one and the next one and just progress things. And then you'll see how it is. And if if after a few steps, that big goal wasn't quite the right one, you adjust. And no big deal. You know, you didn't take any big losses. Absolutely. That's good advice. There you go. That You yeah. did not say... I've got good advice. <laughs> finally. Thank you, Rachel. I finally came up with one good idea. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, any anything else? Any other uh, pearls of wisdom? No, I think that's, the, that's pretty much the gist of it for end of year, starting out new year. It's crazy to say that we're going to start a new year soon. That's yeah, just wild. wild. It, always, it always is, right? It always feels like the year flew by because everything is always so busy. Uh, that's all right. It's good. It's good. good. It's not a bad thing to get older and wiser and, you know, smarter, allegedly smarter as you get older. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a bad thing. But I do I do think it's uh, aside from some of this year events, year ends sort of like tax stuff like, yeah, you got to get that done because there is a deadline. But it is a handy time to sort of refocus your mind just a little bit, get an idea of what priorities you have, what priorities you had during the year that maybe weren't so good for the coming year. Just reset yourself. But again, you got to create, you got to hold yourself accountable. That's the key. Absolutely. Exactly. Reflect, reset, go. Uh-huh. So I'm expecting that like um, in the next week, you're going to populate my calendar with a bunch of items, like follow-up items that I'm supposed to be doing. That's what I'm assuming <laughs> you're going to be doing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on subject line, it's going to be I'll say, you know, this X subject, start small, Brent. This one, yeah, right. start small. <laughs> or or the subject, the subject will just say, you asked for this. Yep. <laughs> Remember, this was your good it advice. Was your idea. <laughs> well, Rachel, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brent. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at Wealth and Law. I'll see you there.